Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, Unanswered. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, sometimes when I teach, there are those Sundays where I feel overwhelmed and I wonder if I should even step into a particular subject. Well, today is one of those Sundays because we're going to dive into something that I don't fully understand, and I want to acknowledge that. I really do not understand everything that I'm going to be sharing today, but I do know this. I believe it is essential for the church, and specifically for Valley Point Church, to be talking about this topic. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn together. I want to have an honest conversation about mental illness and mental health. And let me just start by saying, I don't understand everything, and I am not an expert in this area. I'm really not, and you need to know that. I'm not an expert, and I want to share that as we begin. I am a pastor. And as a pastor, one of my primary roles is to shepherd and to lead the church. That's what I do, and that's what I enjoy doing. But here's what's interesting. I spend a great amount of my time as a pastor in leading and shepherding the church in dealing with people because the church is People. The church is not a building. It's not a structure. The church is made up of people. And so I spend a great amount of time encouraging and challenging people to think biblically. Interestingly enough, Scripture has a lot to say about our thinking. We may not know that. But when you begin to walk through scripture and you discover different verses over and over again, we find our thinking challenged and scripture really has a lot to say about our mind. Consider just these three verses as we launch into this. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus is having a conversation with people and it says he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your, say the word with me, church, mind. All of your mind. Not just some of it, not just most of it, but here's Jesus speaking to the group, and you've got to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul, and he included our mind, our thinking. It's interesting. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, which is a very interesting word. I'll come back to that in a moment. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your, say it with me, your mind, so that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This word transformed is quite interesting because in the context, it has the idea of a metamorphosis or a changing of form. And so what is changing in form here? What's the challenge? Well, it is my 
thinking, it is my mind, and it is to be renewed. And here's the great benefit of that. When I do that, then I can prove what is good and acceptable, and I can find the perfect will of God. Again, all of this, it involves my mind and my thinking. This is really good news here. One more verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, say it with me, mind. See, Scripture does not avoid the topic of our mind. The church doesn't have to avoid this topic either. The church should not avoid this topic. And so we're going to jump right into this and talk about mental illness. It is a big subject. It is a sensitive subject. I can't cover everything. And I may or may not answer some of the things you are wondering about this. And so I want to thank you right now for extending a little bit of grace to me. I also want to thank psychologist Dr. Kathy Rupertus, who attends Valley Point Church, and I had a great conversation with her. She actually helped me work through a few of our thinking points for today. So really grateful for her wisdom and for her expertise. So let's kind of create a map of how we're going to walk through talking about something that churches, by and large, do not talk through that much. So let me walk you to our easel here, because what I want to do today is I want to give you a definition of mental illness. One of the things I've discovered is that there's a lot of definitions out there. And so I have discovered one that I believe is very solid and, again, begins to build some language for us as we think through this particular topic. After I give the definition, I want to talk to you and share with you the reality of mental illness. And I have a whole slew of stats to share with you about the reality of this. Sometimes I have discovered when you bring this topic up, some people just kind of dismiss it and hope that it goes away or that it may not even exist. Well, it's real. And so I want to share some stats with you that speak to the reality of mental illness and how Valley Point Church can be a part of providing hope and help and support for those who may be walking through this or for those who have a friend or a family member walking through this at the time. So uh, definition, I'm going to provide that. We're going to talk about the reality of it. Then I want to do this. I want to complete this thought. Mental illness is, what would you say there? What's the one or two words that you would attach to that. Again, part of my goal this morning is I want to create some language. And so I want to give you one word that I believe will help all of us approach this with a lot more compassion. So again, part of this is creating language, and that's what we want to do today. So we're going to give a definition. We're going to talk about the reality, and then I want to come back, and mental illness is, I want to give you a word that I believe will be very helpful for all of us. Before we walk the path of the definition, the reality, and completing that sentence, here is our big idea for today, and that is Jesus never banished a hurting person. I want you to think about that, because it's critical to our conversation today and being very honest and real about this. 
Jesus never banished a hurting person. He just didn't do it. And the reason he didn't do that is because it's not part of his character as God the Son. As a matter of fact, and I would encourage you to do this, when you walk through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, it shares the life and the story of Jesus and what he said and what he did. What you will discover there is that it is the banished, the isolated, the marginalized, the weak, the insignificant in the eyes of society, those pushed to the fringes of culture. Those are the people that caught the attention of Jesus and often moved him to action. And this is what we find in Scripture. And the reason we find that is because Jesus never banished a hurting or an isolating person. He just didn't do it. And so that's going to set the pattern for a little bit about how we should respond to mental health and those walking through a mental illness. Now, with that in mind, let's walk through our list. And I want to begin with a definition. And here's what I discovered that I think is very solid. Mental illness is defined as a physical dysfunction of the brain that causes the inability to think or feel or act in a person's normal manner. Let me say that again. Mental illness is defined as a physical dysfunction of the brain that causes the inability to think or feel or act in a person's normal manner. Now, you can think about it this way. When we have a physical illness, I'm sure everybody in here has had some type of physical illness at some point, There is a certain part of the body that is not functioning properly, and what we generally do is we address that. We've got to fix it. We have to adjust that or even medicate it. Something is physically wrong. We can identify it. We know it, and we make necessary adjustments. Let me give you some examples. If you have diabetes, you have a part of your body that's not functioning properly, and you have to address that. You have to be careful You have to be wise. You're going to make necessary adjustments. If you have a broken bone, you know something isn't right. And pain is alerting you to necessary adjustments that might need to be made. And so you set the bone and you do everything within your power to make sure that you correct that pain, that physical issue in your life. A few months ago, I had a toothache that accelerated into the worst kind of pain imaginable. And I'm not really into pain, and it actually occurred to me as this was happening that this is how it ends for me. (laughs) I just can't have... My wife has delivered six children. I don't know how this happens, but the tooth, it was almost... I needed a new head is, is what I needed. Well, there was something in my head alerting me to the fact that I have a physical problem, and so... I took the necessary measures, and I went, and I had that taken care of. When there is a physical illness, all right, track with me for just a few moments, because we're going to differentiate physical illness from mental illness in just a little bit. When there is a physical illness, something in the body isn't functioning properly, and we take necessary action to fix the problem. Mental illness 
is really the same way. It's similar. And just like treatments are needed to fix the physical problem, treatments are needed to fix the mental issue. And so the definition, mental illness, is defined as a physical dysfunction of the brain that causes the inability to think or feel or act in a person's normal manner. That's the definition, and that's going to help guide the rest of our time together. Now let's talk about reality. And here are some of the stats, and I think the stats are quite alarming. For instance, 20% of youth ages 13 to 18 live with a mental health condition. That's a lot. Also, 50% of all lifetime cases of mental illness begin by, get this, age 14, and 75% by age 24. I think that's shocking. It's really a shocking stat. One in five adults in America experience a mental illness. One in 20 Americans live with a serious mental illness, which they define as bipolar, schizophrenia, PTSD, or chronic depression. And there are other things that you could put into that category as well. And then 18.1% or 46 million of American adults live with anxiety disorders. All of this is from the National Alliance for Mental Illness. I share these stats with you so that you understand and you are aware that this isn't something that's just happening somewhere out there. This is real, and it's happening within Valley Point Church. And I know that because I've had conversations with so many people who are looking for help and hope and support in this area It impacts our church, and to ignore this or to wish it away or hope it didn't exist for whatever reason is a disservice to the very people who are looking for help and hope and support, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want our church to be that way. That's the reality, though. It exists. Now, let's think about this statement. We have a definition of what mental illness is, we understand the reality. Mental illness is. What word would you attach to this? Maybe you're here and you're struggling with a mental illness right now or you have a family member or a friend walking through this and so you might have a few words kind of rolling around in your mind or maybe you're not too in tune with this at all and maybe you have some thoughts about what mental illness is. Again, I want to give you a word that I think will allow all of us, whether we have a mental illness or not, or whether we know of other people around us who may struggle with this, I want to give you a word that's going to help us all move with compassion. Because this is what is very important as we think about mental health. So here's the word. Mental illness is this. It's isolating. It's very isolating. And people get locked into a dark place and sense there's no way out and there's no one who understands and gets this. I am completely isolated. Which is not how God designed us to live. He designed us to live in community with other people. And this is where I believe the church has so much to offer in terms of hope 
and help and comfort. Now, let me describe a little more of a picture here for you in terms of the isolation, because I don't know if even I fully understood this until I had someone kind of just paint this picture for me. If you have a physical illness, you have cancer or some other type of sickness, or you walk through something that is just very physical, very painful, often that elicits immediate compassion. It just does. People see you, they know you're hurting, they love you, they care about you, and so here comes meals and cards and gifts. There's a lot of compassion. By the way, that's wonderful. Like, that's a good thing. I'm not putting that down. I hope that continues here at Valley Point, and I hope you do that for other people outside of Valley Point, that when you see them suffering and struggling physically, that you reach out and meals. All of this is very wonderful, and I have benefited from that as well. If you are so brave as to honestly share with people, I have a mental illness, crickets. That's what happens. Uh, There's no cards, no gifts, no meals, because nobody really knows how to respond to this. And when that happens, there is even more isolation. And often it gets even worse than that. People try to throw out a bunch of cliches and phrases that do not help at all. So I actually created a list. I talked to somebody who has heard these very things before. And so I'm going to share this with you so you know what not to say. All right? Here's what makes the situation worse. You know, you have a loving family. Again, keep in mind, it doesn't look like anything's necessarily wrong with them. They don't have a broken arm or they're not suffering physically on the outside. And you have a loving family. So what's the problem? Or don't be so lazy. You just got to get out of bed. You're just being lazy. Or there are people far worse off than you. Or stop feeling sorry for yourself. Or, this is my favorite... By the way, I I can't stand religious cliches. It's just really obnoxious, so, you know, please don't do this. But people often will say, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's what will help. You need to pray more and just have more faith. As if that potentially could solve the deep, deep issue. Cliches. We throw these things out all of the time. And again, all of this just kind of moves a person suffering with mental illness into further isolation. And we're not designed to live that way. And again, this is where I believe the church has so much to offer everyone. So let's do this. Let's get into our takeaways right now. And I want to encourage you to take out your program and get a pen, take some good notes here, because I want to break this into a couple of different groups. I want to share some takeaways with those of you who may have a mental illness and you're walking through that right now. Maybe people know about that. Maybe nobody knows. You know. And so I want to share some takeaways with you on how you should walk through this and what will be helpful to you. And then I want to share some takeaways for those of us who may have a friend or a family member who is walking through a mental illness right now. And I think there's some things that are helpful there. Then I want to wrap up our time by just kind of giving a pastoral perspective. Because again, that, that's, that's what I do and that's what I love. So I came across something in scripture that I believe will provide a great mental health exercise for everybody. 
whether we have a mental illness or not. We need to be sharp, and we need to make sure our mind is where it should be. And so I want to share a mental health exercise for everybody from a pastoral perspective. So let's begin. If you struggle with a mental illness, three takeaways. Number one, seek help. Please seek help, professional help, medical help, support group, friends, family. Look at every possible opportunity for help and don't be ashamed to reach out and seek that help. And if meds are needed seek that. Do your research. Know what you're getting into, but there's no shame in that. In the middle of seeking help, though, reaching out to people and and counselors and medical help, in the middle of doing all of that, it's very important for you to know that you have to own the process. Other people can't do the hard work for you. You can gather people around you and resources and counselors. That's all wonderful as you seek help. But no, you've got to take responsibility yourself and do the hard work. But as you do that, please, please, I beg of you, seek help. Seek help. Secondly, immerse your mind in Scripture. And this may sound like kind of a churchy thing to say, but here's the reality. I think often when we're hurting either mentally or physically, we tend to run from Scripture. Because it takes time, and you have to dig and search and read, and does this work? I'm not sure, and do I understand this? And I'm not sure I really get what's saying here, and I've got to figure it all out. We often run from doing the work, but I want to encourage you with the fact that Scripture has healing ability to it. It is a natural healing balm. It's designed to do that, but it's not going to work that way if we don't immerse our mind in Scripture And I would throw out a challenge to you. If you're walking through a mental illness right now, do the work of digging into Scripture and you become an expert on what Scripture says about the mind and about our thinking because the church needs that from you. So that's the challenge. If you struggle, immerse your mind in Scripture, allow it to be the healing force that it can be, and then be ready to share and pass on what you learn from others. Number three, Serve the church. Serve the church. Listen, I want you to hear this. If you have a mental illness, you are intelligent, you are capable, you are witty, you are compassionate, you are generous, and the church needs your giftedness. Even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel worthy, serve the church. And I believe in doing that, you find significance. Listen to this. In 1773, a man by the name of John Newton wrote perhaps one of the most famous hymns of all time. You're going to recognize it. It's Amazing Grace. I'm sure many of you know that hymn. You've probably sung it once or twice and have benefited from the lyrics and the poetic form that is found within this beautiful hymn. Well, you may not know this, but John Newton had a co-author to that song by the name of William Cowper. This is Newton's friend. William Cowper wrote 70 different hymns and was one of the most prolific and best poets of the 18th century. It's even widely known that Benjamin Franklin enjoyed the poetry of William Cowper. 
Now, you may not know this. William Cowper suffered from debilitating and severe depression throughout his life. He attempted suicide several different times. Thank God he wasn't successful because from this man who suffered with mental illness, the church benefits from his words and has done that for hundreds of years to where on this day we are talking about his contributions with a mental illness to the church. If that is you, please serve the church. You are needed. You're needed. And you have something beautiful to offer. I want to go back to our last Christmas Eve for a few moments. We had a wonderful time where a little over a thousand people came to our four different services. And we had a theme during our Christmas Eve services that was centered around something that happened during World War I. It was called a Christmas Eve truce. And you may remember me talking about this and watching a video that described it. During World War I, the British troops and the German troops had drawn up lines and they were in their bunkers and they were fighting. And Christmas Eve approached. And a few brave soldiers from both sides decided, we're going to have a little ceasefire here. We're going to do our best to see if this works. We're going to get up out of the bunker and we're going to walk across no man's land as a gesture of goodwill to our enemy. Let's just see what happens. And so history tells us that a few brave souls did that. And with fear and trembling, they walked towards each other. And then what happened was beautiful. There was no firing. There was no fighting. They actually exchanged gifts. They played some games of soccer. And then after a time frame, they returned to their bunkers. It's known historically as the Christmas Eve Truce. All of that information was given to me, including language to use and the video concept by someone in our church who suffers with a mental illness. I share that with you to let you know that even here at Valley Point Church, we have people struggling with this, aware of what's happening mentally on the inside, still contributing to the church. And guess what? All of us benefit. All of us benefit. And so if that's you, please seek help. Do that. That's a good thing to do. Any kind of help you can get, benefit from that. And then immerse your mind in scripture. Please do that and become an expert and share that with us because we need your insights. And then serve the church because you have something to offer and you need to know that. Well, if you have a family member or a friend touched by mental illness. Let me share a couple of thoughts with you. Number one, love instead of judge. And by the way, we do that by listening. That's how it happens. And please, don't throw out cliches. Just don't do it. They don't work. They don't work. And they only further isolate. So love instead of judge, which can be very difficult to do at some times, but it's absolutely necessary And then secondly, slow down enough to listen. Slow down enough to listen. And here's what I mean by that. Create a little bit of space in your life. If you have a friend or a family member that struggles with this, you're aware of that, create a little bit of space in your life in order to reach out to them. 
One of the things I've discovered with talking with people about this particular issue and the things that bother them is that they do feel isolated and they don't want to call and reach out for help. This is what we do, right? We always say, hey, give me a call. When you're down, when you're discouraged, just give me a call and, you know, I'll be there. Well, what I've been told is that people walking through a mental illness, they don't like calling because they feel like they're a bother and a nuisance, and so they just don't do that. And so if we want to slow down enough to listen, my encouragement is to create space in your life where you reach out and you make the call. You do. The responsibility is on us to provide that help and that hope and that comfort, and we can do this in simple ways just by listening. So if you have a friend or a family member that's walking through this, please create enough space where you reach out to them. Don't wait for them to call. Might be too late. Might not be able to give them the kind of listening ear that they really need. And so create that space in your life for help, hope, and comfort. Okay. I want to end by just giving a pastoral perspective, a mental health exercise for all of us that I believe will be very beneficial. It's simple. Some of you are going to think, yeah, that's way too simple. That's probably not going to work, and I'm not sure I want to do that. I want to encourage you, whether you have a mental illness or not, this is effective, and it works, and this has been confirmed with some of the professionals that I've spoken to. And so it might sound easy. Often what sounds easy isn't easy to implement, and this is the challenge. So let me read a piece of scripture to you because here's where we find this exercise. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 21. I don't have time to go into all the context of what's happening here in Romans chapter 1, but just know Paul is the author, and he's writing to a group, and he's sharing some different things that are going to be helpful, and he says this, Yes, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. It's one of our key words. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now, I think it's fair to say in the room here, nobody really wants a dark or a confused mind. I think it's safe to say. Nobody really wants that. Now, that happens to us from time to time, but nobody desires that. Nobody really chases that. But what's interesting about Romans one twenty one is there is a direct link between giving thanks and having clarity in our minds, specifically giving thanks to God for what he has done for us. And when we refuse to do that, Well, the observation here is the result is a darkened mind and a confused mind. So as simple as it sounds, here is the mental health exercise for all of us. I want you to create a thankful journal. That's what I want you to do. Get some paper together. They actually still make paper. I want you to find that, put it together, a journal, a booklet, whatever that looks like for you. Just put it together. And I want you at least two to three times throughout the week. Just give this a shot, okay? Two to three times throughout the week, I want you to write down some things that you are thankful for. And then, in the process of doing that, offer it up as a prayer to God, like, this is what you have done for me, and I might not feel that thankful right now, but here's the reality, and I can be grateful for this. So I'm going to offer it up. And in doing that, 
I believe it moves us into clarity in our thinking. By the way, when we have a physical problem, a physical illness, like when I had my toothache, I'm telling you, all I could think about was myself. And as they're working on me, I even fainted. It wasn't that bad, right? Like, I, I'm just kind of a wimp when it comes to that. So all I could think about is myself. Like, well, oh, this is a terrible thing, and I need to get this fixed. When we have a physical illness, we tend to focus on ourselves. And that's not necessarily all bad, but that's the reality of what happens. I think sometimes when we have mental illnesses invade, we often think about only ourselves. This is natural. When we think about only ourselves, it moves us away from being thankful and grateful for what God has done. And so this simple mental health exercise, I believe, moves us into a place of being grateful for what God has done. Whether I feel like doing it or not, this is helpful. And if we're not thankful, if we're not grateful, that can be a dangerous place. And so let's engage in this mental health exercise throughout the week. And I look forward to hearing about some of the things that you are grateful for and how God is using this in your life to bring clarity. Okay, let's go back to our easel for just a moment. We provided a definition of mental illness and how it's similar to a physical illness. And when we have a physical illness, treatment is needed. Treatment is also needed for a mental illness. We talked about the reality of this. The stats alone tell us this exists right here in our church. And we want to acknowledge that. And we want to be a source of hope and help and comfort for those walking through this. And then we looked at this little phrase. Mental illness is, and here's the word we can attach that, it is isolating And we don't want people to be isolated because that's not how God designed us to live. And so we got to create space in our lives, got to reach out and provide all of the hope and help and comfort that we can. Now, I say all of this based on the truth that Jesus never banished a hurting person. He just didn't do it. It's not in his character as God the Son. And so let's act like Jesus. Okay? Father, we're really thankful for a little bit of time this morning to talk about something that's difficult. And I acknowledge I don't understand everything about this. In my frail and limited ways, I've tried to paint a picture of the reality of this. God, I pray that you would use all of this in our lives and in our minds right now and help us consider what you want for us. God, for anybody here struggling with a mental illness, God, if they haven't reached out yet, would you motivate them to seek help? Get all the help that they can. Would you encourage them, even if they don't want to, to immerse their mind in Scripture and to become an expert And what the Bible says about the mind and our thinking, there is so much there. God, also, would you help them to know that the church needs them and their giftedness and their talents and their abilities so that the gospel, the good news of Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection can continue to move forward. God, they are needed and they can have impact and significance.
God, for those of us who have a friend or a family member walking through this, help us not to walk away, but help us to avoid cliches, help us to listen, and help us to create that space in our lives where we're reaching out to them and we're not judging. God, as we respond to you now, use this time to help us understand how loving and how compassionate that you are to us, no matter our condition. We lift this up to you now, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.